Our reading this morning is from Genesis, starting at chapter 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth, for forty days and forty nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth. And the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth for forty days and forty nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark.
They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For forty days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and fifty days. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. Um, Let me add my welcome to Andy's. My name's Scott. I'm the assistant minister here. Uh, If you're joining us, this is the second week uh, of four in the story of Noah. Famous story. Um, And we've come this morning to the bit, I guess, that's most well-known, the flood itself. So as we look at it together, uh, why don't I leave us in a prayer? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do speak to us and that your word is truth. Father, even when that is hard to hear sometimes, we thank you that you speak and that you speak words that are life and truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So is there, any more, is there a story any more famous than the story that we come to this morning in the whole Bible? Um, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe one or two that we write up there. Uh, but Noah and his ark are a brand, aren't they? Um, here's some of the things that you can get uh, branded uh, with Noah's Ark um, on the screen. Um, start with uh, the Jojo Maman Bebe um, wooden ark uh, for a bargain price of, I think, $39.99. Uh, all the little animals there, Noah and his wife. Um, on their website, it says, this is how they sell it, stimulate imaginations with our wooden Noah's Ark playset. don't know what kind of imagination you want to stimulate, but anyway... Um, Next up, uh, that's not all you can get, um, that's not very clear, but um, Noah's Ark swimwear. Um, now, I, I, I don't know if that's being deliberately ironic, um, but, but, but there you are, Noah's Ark swimwear. Um, yeah, go swimming as Noah's Ark. Um, what else you get? Um, cards, uh, greetings cards. Can't really see that on the screen, can you? Um, we've just had uh, our little boys nearly eight weeks old, and one of the cards that we got was this one, the lovely Noah's Ark. Um, on the front. This one even has a Bible verse uh, in the middle of it. Um, not the one, not one of the ones from the passage that we've read. Uh, Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful. Oh, that's a nice little, little Noah's Ark 
uh, on the card there. Um, and of course, the, the, the little song that's buzzing around in most of our heads, the animals went in two by two, hurrah, hurrah. I'll not sing it because it would be stuck in your heads uh, for the rest of the sermon. You wouldn't be able to concentrate. Um, for they all went into the ark for to get out of the rain. Uh, all of those things, uh, brand Noah, um, show us most of all that, that what the world thinks of Genesis 6 to 7 is that at most it's for the kids, isn't it? At its very best, it is a story about a nice man who quite liked animals uh, and so took them on a little trip, a little boat trip. And then it, but, you know, it rained for a bit, but it didn't spoil their fun. Of course, if most people actually sat down and read uh, what we've just heard uh, read to us this morning, um, I wonder what they'd think. I think they'd probably be a bit horrified, actually. Um, it might make them slightly less keen to paint that mural uh, on little Jimmy's wall. They'd be horrified by the utter devastation of it. Maybe we're, maybe we're horrified by it too. Maybe we're surprised as we actually sit down and read it uh, this morning. So what I want us to do, if we can, is to try and suspend what we think we know about Noah's Ark. Suspend the sort of cartoon um, front of the greeting card uh, version. I want us to look at it with fresh eyes. Um, and as we do, um, uh, I hope we'll see, I think we'll see, um, that it is the example, apart from maybe the cross, it is the example of God's judgment, his terrible judgment on the world and his gracious at rescue. It vividly shows us, doesn't it, the stark contrast between those who are outside at the ark and those who are inside. Those who experience God's judgment and those who experience his salvation. So to see that, we're going to do just very, three very simple things, very straightforward. We're going to look outside the ark, we're going to look inside the ark, and we're going to hear the call to enter the ark. Outside, inside, enter the ark. Let's look first then at at outside the ark, where creation experiences God's judgment. God tells Noah to build the ark, and because the judgment is coming on all creation. 6 verse 17, look down again. God's doing, I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. And we're just struck, aren't we, by the devastation of that, that judgment that God pronounces. Every creature, everything on earth, all life will perish. After the ark's built in 7 verse 4, and God says he will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that he has made, just as he said he would if you were here with us last week. And then by 7.11, um, the floodgates open and the rain begins to fall. We, um, we have, we've got lots of names for, for rain in Britain, don't we? Um, the English are quite good at it. Um, the Irish, uh, or at least the Northern Irish, are experts. And so I grew up in Northern Ireland, so um, I know all about rain. My dad's a farmer, so there's a lot of chat about rain. Rain was the, you know, the topic of, of conversation. And you, ca- you cannot ever just say, especially in Northern Ireland, oh, it's raining. That's very vague, very vague. What does that mean? 
Um, could be, is it just spitting? Um, is it uh, what, what the Irish like to call wet rain, which is a bit strange, uh, in which you get a, a smizzle or a mizzle or a drizzle? Um, all those three are, are wet rains. Um, or you can, you know, if it's, if it's starting to really come down, you get bucketing. It's really bucketing. It's lashing. It's properly lashing. Um, or if it's really, really lashing, it's hammering it down. Hammering it down. Um, the rain here, I think we can safely say, is properly hammering it down. It really rains. What we see uh, then in, in 17 to 24 is the decreation of the world. The undoing of Genesis 1 as the waters which in Genesis 1 God had separated from the dry land inundate uh, the world. And even as even it was read, I wonder, could you hear the relentless surging and rising of the waters? For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth and the waters increased They lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. The water rises and rises relentlessly until it covers, uh, it triumphs, Uh, over the whole earth, the whole earth covered. And it is a a terrifying uh, description. I'm sure most of us um, vividly remember uh, the uh, 2004 Boxing Day tsunami uh, in the Indian Ocean and the scenes of utter devastation um, that are hard to forget, aren't they? The truly awful force uh, of the water as it it wiped out uh, huge areas, destroyed everything in its path, And the most shocking thing about that event was just the scale of it. Um, What was it? 257,000 people uh, were killed across 14 countries. And the waves in some places were 20 meters high. And the the earthquake that that started it all off um, released energy, the equivalent of 23,000 Hiroshima bombs. And it it was truly shocking. And yet here in Genesis 6 and 7, as the floodgates open and the rain pours down, it is even more shocking. Because the reality is that all creation perishes. Chapter 7, verse 21. Every living thing that moved on the land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind See, the order in which God had created the world in Genesis 1 is undone, finishing with all mankind. The pinnacle of God's creation, uh, humanity, perishes as God's judgment falls upon it. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils, that breath that had been given to it by God, everything died as God takes life away. Outside the ark, there is only God's judgment. As we see that devastation, I guess we're left asking, is God's judgment fair? Is it fair or is it over the top? 
Because we live, we live at a time, don't we, that, that doesn't like the idea that God might be a judge. We might want God to judge, um, you know, the really bad people. Um, you know, the, the dictators and the murderers and the child abusers. We're, we're sort of happy with God judging them. But what about when it gets a bit closer to home? What about um, dear old Betty, who gave the best years of her life nursing her husband uh, through ill health? What about nice guy Johnny, who is so helpful in the office? And actually, when, when life got difficult last year, it was, it was Johnny who was a much better friend than plenty of people at church. What about respectable, uh, tolerant me? Sits, sits uncomfortably with us, doesn't it? The idea that God might judge uh, the whole world, that God might judge you and me. And we read the story of Noah, and we're just we're, we're a little bit embarrassed. It, it makes, makes the conversation a little bit awkward with the friend, doesn't it? Hey, you, you know the way I told you that, that God is love? Well, actually, once he wiped out every, uh, everything in all of creation, apart from a few lucky souls and some cute cuddly animals who took a little cruise and started again. It's a bit awkward, isn't it? Is that, is that what God is like? Is he, is he like um, the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland? At the littlest provocation, off with their heads, drowning the lot of them. God isn't like that, is he? He's not flying off the handle. And we, we spent more time thinking about it last week, about the utter wickedness of humanity and the rightness of God's judgment. We, we get a little bit of it again here in, in 6, uh, verse 11. The earth is corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. Humanity has fallen so far, hasn't it, from its good beginnings. God is right to be angry. He is right to judge. In fact, he'd be wrong not to. And it is only in God's kindness that any are spared at that judgment. We might, we might want to say, we might try and shrug it off and say, uh, yeah, I can see that's, that's what's happening in, in Genesis 6 and 7. But, you know, it's different now, isn't it? You know, we're in, in New Testament times or post-New Testament times, Jesus has come, and, you know, God's a bit different. Well, we might want to be able to say that, but we can't say that. That's just not the case. Jesus teaches, Jesus himself teaches that the the flood in Genesis 6 and 7 is a picture of a final judgment that will come on all humanity. He will return to judge. Matthew 24 Uh, From verse 36, Jesus specifically uses the story of Noah uh, to warn people uh, that the flood of God's final judgment will come suddenly and without warning. Here's what it says in Matthew 24. But about the day or hour, talking about his return, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be 
at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus has said he will return to judge the earth, and it will come suddenly, just as the flood did. And so outside the ark, there is only judgment. In the same way for us, outside Christ, there is only judgment. We may not like the idea of a God who judges, but Jesus is clear that is the case. The world doesn't like that, does it? And so it closes its eyes to it and it covers its ears and it says, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And so it carries on as if God were not judge, just as it did in Noah's day. But Jesus says, judgment is coming, and outside of Christ, we will face that judgment alone. Outside Christ, we are in just as much danger as humanity in Genesis 6. That's the stark reality, isn't it, for those that are outside at the ark, only God's judgment. The reality for those outside of Christ. But that is not the reality for all, is it? Because there is an ark. And as we, as we turn to look inside the ark then, we see not people experiencing God's judgment, but people experiencing his salvation. Let's look inside then where creation experiences God's salvation. Now, because we're very familiar with the story, aren't we, of Noah's ark? And so we think, well, of course God asks Noah to build an ark. Of course he tells him to. That's why it's called Noah's ark. Um, suspend that for a minute and just imagine you are Noah and the first thing that God says to you is, is 6 verse 13. God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. If you pause there, at this point, Noah doesn't know what's coming next. As far as Noah's concerned, uh, he and his family are facing that same judgment. Um, He's going to be wiped out uh, with the rest of creation. And maybe maybe God's being kind and saying, hey, Noah, I'm I'm letting you know about this so that you can say your goodbyes and get your affairs in order. But instead, we get verse 14 of chapter 6. So, Make yourself an ark out of cypress wood. And in case um, Noah hadn't purchased the Jojo Mam and Baby uh, wooden model of the ark, um, he gets some, some more specific instructions what this ark uh, is going to look like. Now, th- those, the instructions, they're just, they're just numbers uh, to us, aren't they? But to Noah, they are hope. Hope uh, in the face of judgment. So off Noah goes. We're not told much about it, are we? But he goes off and and builds the ark and stocks it with everything uh, that will be needed just as God has told him. And then when the time comes, God says to him, chapter 7, verse 1, go into the ark, you and your whole family. The time for the evacuation uh, has come. Um, Don't know if you remember the scene in Titanic, uh, old film now, but still a classic, um, in Titanic, where 
the people on board the ship suddenly realize that the ship is going down. For a long time, you know, they, they know they've hit an iceberg, but they think the ship is unsinkable. And so they carry on um, having their dinner. Um, they, they complain and moan about the fact that they have to wear these uncomfortable uh, life jackets. But then when it dawns on them that the ship is going down, that panic sets in, doesn't it? There is the scramble uh, for the lifeboats. Uh, in, in many cases, a, a case of every man for himself, do whatever it takes to get onto a lifeboat. What we get here is, is not a panicked scramble for the lifeboats. Compared to the chaos of the waters that, it, that are about to come, and this is a calm and an orderly account. God oversees every detail so that his creation can experience his, his salvation inside at the ark. God brings the animals to the ark. Noah doesn't have to go and find them. He brings them. They enter. Little, little creation in miniature. And the language of, of verse 14, all the animals according to their kind, that's, that's Genesis 1 language of creation. Those inside the ark represent God's new creation. Those he will save to repopulate at the earth. And there might, there might have been a slightly awkward moment where um, everyone's in, ready to go, and, and the door's lying wide open. Um, but just underline that it is God who cares uh, and preserves them. God himself shuts the door uh, behind them. And as the rain begins to fall and God's judgment comes, those inside the ark, sigh of relief. They are safe in the ark as God's judgment falls. The waters rise and those waters will triumph over the earth, but they will not triumph over those who are in the ark. And so those are the two options, aren't they, facing humanity in Genesis 6 and 7. Either you're outside the ark and you're facing God's judgment alone, or you're inside experiencing his salvation. And that contrast is is pretty stark, isn't it, in chapter 7, verse 23. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. Outside the ark, judgment and devastation, and death. Inside the ark, safety, and security, and salvation. For us then, um, God hasn't called us to build an ark, has he? We might like that, we might quite enjoy it. Uh, But he has provided a much better way that we can be safe from his judgment. Jesus Christ is the true and better ark. And it is Jesus who saves us from the full force of God's judgment, not a flood, but a fire. Who saves not only eight people uh, plus some animals, but all who would come to him in repentance and faith. And he has done it all 
He has built the ark and stocked it with everything that is needed. What, what must we do then? What is it that made Noah different uh, from the rest of humanity who perished? What meant that he was saved while they died? Well, part of the answer in our, in our passages is in 618. Um, God says he will make a covenant with Noah. And we'll think a bit more about that specifically in two weeks' time. But part of the answer um, is that Noah was a man of faith. In 6 verse 9, we're told, aren't we, that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah was righteous. That's kind of equivalent of of our sort of good. He was a good man. Plenty of, of good men and women in the Old Testament he was blameless. That's a, that's a title given to fewer people uh, throughout the Bible. Doesn't mean there, doesn't mean he was perfect. Doesn't mean he got it right all the time. But it did mean uh, he was innocent. And he walked faithfully with God. We saw that last week with Enoch, um, who walked faithfully with God and then was escaped death, was taken up uh, by God. It is only Noah and Enoch who who are described in that way uh, in the whole Bible. So is it then just, from those phrases, is it just that Noah was was better than everyone else? Um, Noah made the grade, as it were, uh, that everyone else on earth had failed, and so he was safe. Well, Hebrews 11 is a a help to us here, because in Hebrews 11, um, Noah is held up as an example of faith. Here's what it says, Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah was a man of faith. We don't get much, do we, actually, um, in this narrative in Genesis about Noah. We don't actually uh, hear him speak until right at the end of of chapter 9. But we get what is most important about Noah. We get his faith in a God who speaks to him. See, God speaks and Noah trusts his word. Even though that would have seemed bizarre uh, to Noah. God speaks and Noah trusts and acts on what God has said. His life is different. It reflects the faith. Look at um, chapter 6, verse 22, where we're told Noah did everything just as God commanded him. We get it again in, in 7 5. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. What did it mean for, for Noah to have faith? Um, well, it meant trusting in the, in the promises of God, the promises of judgment but also of salvation. Practically, it meant living differently uh, to those around him uh, while they were eating, drinking, uh, carrying on as if nothing was going to happen. Noah lived differently. It meant probably facing the scorn of those who thought he was crazy for thinking God was going to judge at all. It meant giving all that he had his time, his energy, his resources, 
uh, to being ready, being prepared uh, for when uh, God did come in judgment. And because of Noah's faith, he, his whole family, and a mini-creation are saved. We've looked outside the ark, haven't we? And we've looked inside the ark. The call then is to enter the ark. That's the so what of this passage. There are only two places you can be. You're either on the outside of the ark or you're on the inside. Inside the ark, there is safety and security and salvation. Outside, there is only judgment and devastation and death. Either you are in Christ and experiencing his salvation or you're outside of Christ facing God's judgment. So um, let's be clear, shall we? Some of us um, here, I don't, I don't know everybody, but some of us uh, are on the outside. We are outside of Christ. If you have not come to Christ, if you've not put your trust in him uh, for salvation, then you are on the outside. And all there is, is judgment. And you, you may not realize it. It's hard to see, isn't it? Because God's judgment hasn't yet come. Life goes on uh, much, much as it always has done. And, and maybe you're, you're so busy trying to make the most out of life or just so busy trying to get by each day that there's not a whole lot of time, uh, there's not a whole lot of space to think about God's coming judgment. It's hard to think about, isn't it? It, it just never crosses your mind, um, just like those people in Noah's day. But if the, if the flood teaches us anything, it is that God will come through on his promise to judge. And there is only one place of safety from that coming judgment. In Noah's day, it was in the ark. For us, it is in Christ. So if you're on the outside, know that in Christ, you can be safe. Don't ignore uh, God's warnings to you. Don't fool yourself into thinking that that the judgment isn't coming because it doesn't look like it's coming. Don't stay on the outside. Enter, come to Jesus, who will welcome you with open arms and show you safely on board. Others of us, I guess the majority, are inside, aren't we? We are inside the ark already. We are in Christ, trusting in his death and resurrection as our only hope of salvation. If so, you are part of God's new family, his new humanity, his new creation. And there you are, um, so to speak, uh, sitting uh, in the ark, looking out at the rest of the world. And sometimes it looks like the rest of the world have got it right and you're the fool. Sometimes life outside the ark looks much more appealing. But that's only because God's judgment hasn't yet come. So there will be times 
uh, where you wonder, is it, is it really worth uh, being in Christ at all? Is it really worth being in Christ when it means an ongoing battle with sin? Those, those outside of Christ don't, don't seem to bother thinking that much about their sin, and they seem perfectly content uh, with that. Have they got it right? Is it really worth being in Christ when it means uh, remaining single when you'd prefer to be married? I mean, outside of Christ, there are plenty more options, some pretty attractive ones. Is it really worth uh, being in Christ? Is it really worth being in Christ when it means seeking to tell uh, my non-Christian friends and family of a coming judgment? When it would be much easier uh, to keep quiet and let everybody carry on as they are? Is it really worth at being in Christ. The Bible is full of reasons, isn't it, why it is worth at being in Christ. But here in Genesis 6 and 7, and that reason is, is the reality that in Christ is the only place of safety from the coming judgment. Life outside the ark may promise much, but that will not last. Uh, the world outside may be uh, too busy enjoying life uh, to worry about God's coming judgment. But that will end in death. If you are a Christian, if you are in the ark, remain in Christ. Don't be, don't be fooled into thinking that those outside have got it right. That that is where life is found. Instead, rejoice in Christ, that there is safety and security and salvation. As we close, just, just imagine for a moment uh, those inside the ark, uh, as they see the rain uh, start to fall and the waters rise. And they may well have faced many hardships and challenges uh, to get to that point. But do you think any of them would regret uh, being inside the ark as God's judgment falls. In Christ, there is safety and salvation. Outside of Christ, uh, we face God's judgment alone. So come to Christ, uh, remain in him, and know that salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is a fearful thing uh, to face your judgment alone uh, outside of Christ. But thank you that you have graciously provided a way for us to be safe, just as you did for Noah. Thank you that in Christ there is safety and security and salvation. Would you help us to, to know our need uh, for Christ? to come to him for our salvation and to remain in him for our salvation. And when we wonder if, it, if it's really worth it at all, um, show us the reality of your judgment and the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.